Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, here to help you find success in all areas of your life. The power is in your hands. Join our network for free at besteveryou.com. And now, here's Elizabeth. And Dr. Ellie Rope. <laughs> Not just me. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Best Ever You Show. Happy New Year. Happy 2022. Happy New Year. However you want to say it. Whew. It's 2022, and we've got an amazing guest to kick off our 2022 season. Dr. Harley Ropart, how are you? Hi, Elizabeth. I'm great, and I'm thrilled to be on your show and to kick off the new year. It's uh, one of the great joys of 2021 was having a chance to get to know you and your writing a little bit better, and I look forward to having another chance to talk today. Yeah, we're just pals, uh, instant pals, and it makes me so happy and proud and honored to have you as a friend. We have um, uh, the same publisher in common, uh, HCI, and then our friend Christine. And I'm just so, when I joined HCI for them to publish my new book, which you're a part of, she said, you've got to meet Dr. Harley Ropart. And um, I was nervous, you know, because you're a doctor and you're all these things. If I read your bio, we're going to be here for like an hour. And what I found is you're just you and you're just sweet and you have the best smile and the, and the best family and wife and you're just kind. And um, when I yep. think of best ever you, I I think of you helping um, people just be their best. You help me be my best all the time. It's so cool. You're it. Well, Elizabeth, back, back at you. I, I have, I've had the privilege of reading an advanced uh, copy of the Change book, and I, you've made me better, and you've helped me become the best ever me. And I am, it's a mutual admiration society, and people by now are probably getting sick and tired of hearing us talk about each other. But <laughs> But yeah, it's, no. it's, been, it's, it's, my, it's been my privilege. Yeah, I think we need more of this anyway. I think, I think we need more mutual admiration society out there, so let us be the example. Um, but, Good. you know, here's a, here's a topic. Um, and, you know, people are in a, have been just thrown for an incredible loop with parenting. Our routines are disrupted. I don't even know what to say about this uh, intelligently um, without – on and on and, and even some mopes and groaning of my own here. Um, we've, we've, we've all been thrown for a loop with this pandemic and you've got to root in gratitude and find the gratitude. I think when all our kids came home from college, I was like, oh boy. And then I was like, okay, wait a minute. This is super cool. We have moments here right, that right, we would have right. never had. And in comes yep. your new book, No Regrets Parenting, all revised, and I'm like, well, I don't need this. I'm a parent already. I got it. They're 20, 22, 24, and 26, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I do. So tell us about this awesome book because this, this is it. I love this book. Thank you, Elizabeth, very much. Well, the first edition of, of No Regrets Parenting came out 10 years ago, and um, that was before anyone knew about a pandemic and before anyone um, – it was really written mostly for the parents of, of young children, and those – Parents have now grown up with, and their children have now grown up, and we needed a book to address no regrets parenting for parents of young adult children, for parents of teen children, young adult children, and for grandparents, because for many people who read this book 10 years ago, they've now had the blessing of becoming grandparents. And so the 
um, expanded edition, updated edition of No Regrets Parenting it includes um, sections on young adult kids, on uh, better No Regrets Parenting for teens, and advice for grandparents and for parents whose parents are becoming grandparents how to how to deal with your parents becoming grandparents because that's that's a whole different subject the other reason for the update was that um, things changed in 10 years and as I as I uh, the publisher was kind enough to ask me to uh, do an updated edition, and I went back and studied the 10-year-ago edition and found that I was warning parents about the limits they should put on their kids' use of MySpace. MySpace? Who's ever heard of MySpace today? So, so yeah. there, there was a need. There was a need for for an update, and uh, this book was written in the midst of the pandemic, updated in the midst of the pandemic, and with the pandemic in mind with every chapter. Yeah, I you know I saw a couple things as a as a parent. Um, new technology was changing when uh, two things. One of them went into the bathroom with a Nintendo DS, like a handheld Nintendo game. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then one of them texted me from the basement, "What's for dinner?" I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> but you know, I can right. remember being a kid. Now you know I'm 52, and you you went to the football game on a Friday night, and you and you went to a payphone and called home for a ride. And um, things are just so different with the technology and uh, everything. I can I can feel your feel the need for an update. Um, and this is it, and it's and it's great. And you know, I think what I what, one of the things that I like best about you is you don't say no, don't do that. You, you're not a no, don't no, don't do that, and don't do that, and don't do that, and don't do that, and never do that. You know, it's not a no book. No, it, and and Elizabeth, thank you, thank you for pointing that out. In fact, it's not even a parenting book. Uh, to be <laughs> honest, it's uh, there are enough of those. There, there are. I think if you go to the bookstore or online, because who goes to bookstores? I hope you do. I love bookstores. But if you if you look at the parent the parenting um, uh, menu, parenting book menu, everyone has written a parenting book. There's French parenting, and there's and there's. Um, uh, tiger mom parenting and there's Dutch and, and Danish parenting and there's animal people. There's there books written on how to parent children the way you would take care of your pets. Uh, this is not a parenting book. This is a time management, time optimization book for parents. And there are no don'ts in this. There are only do's. There are ways that parents can literally increase the number of minutes they have with their kids and turn those minutes into special moments. And I guess if I was going to make a bumper sticker, I would say that the ride, the drive to the soccer game may be more important than the game, watching the game itself. That is the the few moments that you have, and for you and me, it would be the drive to the baseball game, the drive (laughs) to the baseball game, the ride in the car with your kids to the baseball game can be more precious more meaningful and more memorable for parents and for kids than the game itself. And that's true for the, for the ride home and the stop at the ice cream store on the way home too, that those, those minutes that otherwise are lost to earbuds and to um, uh, texting, we have to shut all those, those distractions down and re- recognize that we're never going to have that time in the car, that particular time in the car, with the kids again, 
let's not waste it. Let's spend those moments on the way to the game, spend those moments on the way to school, spend those moments at dinner, making the most of the time with our kids. And so this isn't how to parent. It's how to enjoy, how to maximize, how to optimize your parenting experience. It's really a selfish book. It's a book written for parents to make their lives as parents, your lives as parents, better. Love it. Why is why is coaching like I've got we've got some experience with college baseball and uh, our co- our college baseball coaches we know really well and things like that from being in the yeah. program for a while and, and they're just great guys. Um, why is coaching so much like parenting, um, even when you don't want it to be? When you're talking, I'm thinking about the rides home in you know the bus or the car or the whatever, and I, I immediately went to the most precious baseball bus ride they've probably ever had at New Haven. And that's the one before the one right before they got to the college and then the pandemic shut everything down. My son still has a picture on his Twitter of that getting on that bus. And they they talk so much about the importance of bus rides and car rides. You're onto something here. You, maybe your next book is no regrets coaching, (laughs) but but why stop rambling here in a minute, but why is coaching and parenting so similar? In a way. Well, Elizabeth, it's not the next book, although I, I, I do hope to do <laughs> another one like this, but it was the first book. The first book is called The On Deck Circle of Life, and it's a, it, it, it was written from my experiences coaching for nearly two decades, um, my kids all the way through high school, and I was a high school baseball coach for nine years um, huh. and, and recognized in that experience that coaching and parenting should be, they're not always, because not every coach is, is the, the dream coach that you would hope to also be the dream parent. But it should be the truth that coaches do more than strategize the game. Coaches should be life lessons teachers. Coaches should help kids to maximize their experience. But that's also selfish. That also helps the coach have more fulfillment as a coach. I look back at the team pictures of me standing with our kids from T-ball all the way up through high school, <laughs> um, baseball and basketball coaching. And I, and I have this incredibly um, fulfilled sensation that I was there with the kids and that I wasn't just keeping score or statistics, that I was there with the kids, not just my kids. My kids were there, but I was there with all the kids as I would hope coaches would be. And coaching is parenting. It's part of the, um, uh, the village that we talk about of, of uh, raising children. And it does take a village. It's the parent's job, though, to be the gatekeeper of that village because warnings that everyone knows, there are village idiots. Um, so we do have to make sure that the coaching yeah. that our kids get, that the teachers that the kids have, um, are what they should be, and that's that's really our responsibility as parents. Yeah, I knew this was going to happen with you on, and we're going to get pandemic questions. I think we're going to hold pandemic questions for maybe another maybe another call. People are asking about children's vaccinations and things like that. Yes, Dr. Harley Ropart is a is a very wonderful pediatrician, and um, what, we should hold those questions, though, don't you think? I just want to make sure I address people I, and so forth. I'm happy to do it however you want to, but I've done 
uh, infectious diseases and vaccinology uh, yeah. my my entire career, and I uh, and I'm happy to try and answer those, but but I. I really think that parenting is going to go on long after the pandemic and parenting existed long before the pandemic. And so the, the universal issues that face parents um, are not as, I mean, acutely, we all worry about vaccines and we all uh, uh, worry about strategies for the pandemic, but, but parenting transcends all of that. Okay. Yeah, phone was chiming in the background, and I peeked over, and I'm like, oh, oh, we got questions for you and stuff. But, um, yeah, so I, I'm going to refer those questions about pandemics and vaccines back to your pediatricians locally, um, and we're going to continue um, to talk about No Regrets Parenting. You can also always reach Dr. Harley Rutbert on Twitter as well with your questions directly. Um, and let's go to, to the book again. Um, this is a book that is, count the pages here, about almost 300 pages. Do you have a favorite section of the book? Because um, there's a lot in here. Do you have Do you have anything favorite that you want to talk about? <laughs> well, yeah. um, if you'll indulge me for a minute, I would like to read a letter a letter that I got. I, so, since the first edition ten years ago, uh, I've gotten nearly a thousand uh, letters and emails. Uh, from parents regarding that first edition, which which became a national bestseller, and um, and I am extremely proud of. And, I, and my favorite letter I've reprinted at the back of this updated, the new edition. And it will just take two minutes if I can read it, and I'll tell you that this is this is my favorite my favorite letter. Um, there are favorite chapters in the book that I wrote, but this was written by Stephanie Shestakow, who is a mom uh, back east. And uh, she gives me permission to uh, reprint her letter, and uh, here it is. Thank you for your book, Dr. Ropebart, No Regrets Parenting. I have a new baby, and I'm already reading your work, trying to lay the foundations for time well spent with my son. I'm already putting into practice my own methods for making the most of my time with my baby. When he was first born, I'd sit him in his bouncy chair and go about my business making dinner, making his bottles, washing dishes, etc. I turned my back to him, obsessed with the endless to-do list of parenting. He was also born this past December, so I had cards to write, presents to wrap, baking to do, the usual holiday activities. But once I received your book, I thought, wait a minute, I can be making special moments with my baby just by including him in my daily tasks, in addition to the special activities, stories, playtime, etc. So I moved that bouncy seat right next to me as I did dishes, showing him the different utensils, how to turn on water, how I wash, dry, and put away. I make his bottles. I show them to him, put his hands around them to pretend to shake the formula. I show him the food I buy at the store as I put it away, moving his hands to feel texture, showing him color, maybe even putting some things under his nose. Of course, this is all a lot of work. It would be easier to sit him down in his chair or put him in his crib and go about my tasks. But as I read your book, I realized it's okay to occupy kids to pull the house together or get other things done. Sometimes we have to as parents. But your book caused me to switch from thinking from he's just a baby, like there wasn't much I could do with him, and now I involve him in everything. There are so Hmm. many ways to make memories with a baby in the everyday things. It takes much more effort, but it's worth it. The day feels much fuller and richer and doesn't go by as fast. He's only three and a half months old, but I'm already worried the time will go by too quickly. And that really, I mean, Stephanie just nailed it. That is exactly Mm -hmm. what turning long days and short years into into, um, 
cherish moments with kids means. And I, uh, I love that. I love that. I love that she got that from the, the book. Oh, definitely. Now I, I absolutely, I, I was clinging onto every word of what she wrote. It's, it's, it's not only heartfelt accurate, but also very well written and thought through. Um, yeah, I, I love so that kind of mindfulness with children. It makes for different yep. children. It does. And, and one of the, um, one of the best, um, I think, best ideas in the book is uh, about mindfulness, about a par- what I call in the, in the, cha- the chapter called parenting meditation. Um, and it, 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 the, we're taught in meditation to be in the moment, to set aside all the extraneous thoughts, the thoughts about the past, the thoughts about the future, and to be in, to be in the present. Kids are always in the moment. <clears throat> Kids are always in the present. Parents are not, but kids are. What's important to kids at this minute is the most important thing in their lives. It won't be, <clears throat> pardon me, it won't be 10 minutes from now, but right now it's the most important thing in their lives. And if we can, when we're with our kids, if we can recognize that what they're telling us, it may sound silly. I mean, kids say silly things, but for them it's front page news. What they're telling us, they want us to hear. They're telling us because they need our attention. And if we're not mindful doing a parenting meditation when we're with our kids, when when we should be listening to our kids, if our minds are on the taxes that we have to file, the lawn that has to be cut, the dishes in in the sink, we're not being mindful with our kids. We're not doing the parenting medic- meditation. And, and we're missing that opportunity. We're there, but it doesn't matter. We're not really there. You know, that I think that's so true. And I think that's all ages as well. As, um, they're, not, they're not done at age 18 or whatever age it is when they leave for college. But when they come back, they're almost even more vocal. <laughs> <laughs> and you've really got to put down your phone and you've, you know, you've got an adult, you know, budding adult sitting across the couch from you talking to you. And the com- and what it is, is the conversation has just changed. And right now, too, in our house anyway, there's there's a level and it's not overriding, but there's a level of like what's going to happen. There's a level of anxiety, too. And yeah, to me, it's more important than ever to talk to our, our budding adult children. And right. listen. So the, the, not the, talk at them, listen. The enti- <laughs> no, that, no, no, that's right. The entire section added new, one of the new sections is about parenting our young adult kids. And it's exactly, exactly what you just said. When the kids were young, what we accomplished as No Regrets parents was we earned love, trust and respect mutual with our kids when they were young. Now they come back to us as young adults and the definition of young adults is laid out in the book. It's when kids, our kids meet any one of the young adult milestones. One of them is involved in post high school education or they get their first real job. They have their first home, not that they own it, but they, they live someplace independently first real relationship. Those are all young adult milestones. And when our kids reach young adulthood, we need to take advantage of that love, trust, and respect that we earned with our kids when they were younger. And we now need to respect 
boundaries, first of all, because there are things that we have to be careful about not doing with young adults that, that we were tempted that we're tempted to do because that's what we did when they were young children. We have there are boundaries now. They are adults, and when they're adults, we have to acknowledge that. But also, they have a lot more to contribute to the relationship, um, and they can provide counsel and guidance for us oftentimes as parents. And we need to listen to what they tell us, and we we need to again do that parenting meditation um, when we're talking to our, our young adult kids because um, it's a great joy. It's great fulfillment to realize that those little things that came out of us as young kids are now adults with responsibilities, with concerns, mm-hmm. with anxiety, and, um, and, and we need to be conscious of that. They can help us, but we still can help them. Why are there no grades given for parenting, no honor roll announced, certificates awarded, or degrees granted? I'm kind of mad about that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, I'm on I page – I'm it. totally joking. I'm on page 30. There there really aren't, though, are there? There's, there's, there? It's a really interesting thing. I love this. When you take the red pencil to grade your final exam, make sure you're able to write in bold letters across the top. No regrets. <sighs> All right, right. Well, you know, um, it, it's true there are no grades. No, there are no grades, but there is a legacy, and um, part of what we have to be conscious of as parents is that um, we are imprinting on our kids the, the legacy that we want to have with them, so that when they look back at their young childhood or their young adulthood or their own parenting experience, what will they think of us? What will they remember about us as parents? And I I can tell you that one of the greatest joys, we have three adult kids, and one of the greatest joys is hearing our oldest son um, use words with his kids that we used with him because they are imprinted. It may not seem like they're listening to us when they're young, but they are. They're auditing us, and we are preparing them not only for successful young adulthood, but we're preparing them for successful parenthood. We're preparing our kids when they're young to be better parents, too. And that's the part of the legacy. We don't get grades, but we create a legacy. Hmm. We have a question for you. It is from grandparent, and I'm going to just kind of paraphrase the question. But um, it's it's basically about how things have changed and who's right or wrong. For example, do I put the child to sleep on their back, on their front, yeah. on their side? Are they swaddled? Yeah. Are they not? Are they do, 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 all the different things that change all the time? Um, do you have any advice for um, <laughs> should, for that? <laughs> Let's put it at that. You yeah. get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, first I'll tell you about one of my favorite movies. It's called Parental Control. It's with um, – uh, let's see, Bette Midler and yeah. uh, Billy Joel, I think. Uh, not Billy Joel, he's the singer. Crystal. Uh, Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal. Yeah. Billy Crystal it's a great movie. Midler, yes. A wonderful movie about, about the generational about the generational gap, uh, how, how grandparents parented their kids and how parents are now parenting their kids. Uh, the first thing I would tell your, your caller, your questioner, is that it, the, the instinct to parent your grandchildren uh, has to go away. We're we're not parenting our grandchildren. We are respecting our kids 
who are parenting their own children. And there, no more, uh, there is no greater role for boundaries than when you become a grandparent because now your kids, your adult kids, have to be the, uh, the rule makers. They have to be the limit setters and uh, within limits. Now, there are times when grandparents have to intercede, disastrous times, um, and, and no grandparent should ever know of a child, an adult child who has addiction problems or who is an abuser. But setting that aside, when your children are deciding on what school their kids will go to, your grandkids, on what foods to feed them, on what clothes to dress them in, on how to cut their hair, it is not your business. All of those things that you would have done differently no, are no longer relevant. And the other, because it's their turn. If you want to have a role as a grandparent in your grandchildren's lives, you have to respect those boundaries and realize that the changes that have occurred in society, for example, we watch our kids on social media, our, grand, our grandkids on social media, and there. Keep going. Hold on. Sorry. No, no, no worries. I, I hear it. I, my phone's kind of doing the same thing. It. You were my talking phone, about we. Just, yes. <laughs> you were so talking about we watch our grandkids on social media. I can hear you. Yep, we yeah. can hear you. When we watch. Thanks. When we watch our grandkids on social media, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, how much time are they spending on the screen? How, how, why are they spending so much time texting? Not my business. And I can't advise my mm-hmm. adult children to limit that. And, and the greatest acknowledgement of that is that in the 10 years since the first edition of No Regrets Parenting came out, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the, the most authoritative in the country giving advice to pediatricians and to parents has increased the amount of screen time that, um, that they think is reasonable for kids and include giving kids as young as six months exposure to screens. That was never part of the American Academy of Pediatrics. That's a change that for grandparents like me is very hard to accept, but it's real and it's our kids' decisions, and if our grandkids are spending too much time on social media and too much time on television or on, on playing video games, it's not our business. We have to, if there's a gentle way of suggesting that to your adult children, try it, but be respectful of the fact that they may completely ignore what you're advising them. Um, okay, we have another question. This one's about handwriting. This is this is an interesting one. I'm with you. I'm with the person who wrote this for sure. Um, they don't teach handwriting in schools anymore. Uh, I know. Yeah, uh, anybody twenty to twenty-two <laughs> and younger isn't going to learn how to do cursive. Um, should we be teaching that? Is it a lost art? Um, and where does where does parenting? Uh, parenting and teaching cross and i think this is interesting too because we're teaching our kids a lot these days from home still yeah yeah well uh really good all of the really good questions and, and important issues to resolve and it is true that it's very hard for people of our generation to accept the fact that our kids will probably never know how to sign their name in cursive um yeah. and to to say nothing of write a letter in cursive and 
that is that is another one of the realities of the of the past generation, and that is that kids now are born keyboard savvy. It's unbelievable watching a young child. I've got, I've, I've had some really remarkable experiences as a, as a pediatrician, but sitting uh, sitting in the waiting room, I'm watching a child open a magazine, Newsweek magazine, hard copy of the magazine, and take their fingers and try and spread with their fingers, spread the pictures to enlarge them in the hard copy of the magazine because kids, magazines don't, don't work the don't way that. the screen does. And kids, and kids can't figure out why that is. I've, I've had kids ask me what that little um, icon at the top of the computer screen for save is. It's a, it's a picture of a hard disk. Nobody in that generation has ever seen a hard disk, and that's yet what we hit to save when we're working on the document. Where did that come from? They asked their grandparents, what's that, what's that thing about? So we have to accept the fact that, that cursive handwriting may indeed be a thing of the past. Now, one thing that grandparents can do if they, if they have their parents, if they have their adult children's permission, is grandparents can teach their kids cursive handwriting. They can show them and get them, and even in a sort of a calligraphy art excuse, teach kids how to write beautifully. Again, it has to all be with parental consent, to quote the name of the movie, but also the, the concept. Yeah. It, it has to, you don't want to confuse your kids, your grandkids, with something that they're not going to learn in school and that their parents are not interested in their learning. But if you can phrase it as a grandparent, um, as a, an artistic endeavor, a, a calligraphy with your kids, it's an activity that you and your grandkids can share. Um, I think that's a very reasonable approach for teaching grandkids um, handwriting. But it's um, it's like it's like an abacus. You know how many how I'm sure that three generations ago people said, why aren't we using the abacus anymore to teach kids how to count or the slide rule? Oh my goodness, what happened to the slide rule? And and are we bemoaning the fact that, that kids are now not using a slide rule because they have calculators that work? And, and so we have to accept the fact that some things are going to leave and handwriting is leaving. Yeah, so times times change. But I think I think your point, I think a really good point there is, you know, if, if you want to pass along things that you know that are, you know, old school or whatever, whatever phrase you want to call it, you know, I call them timeless beauties um, (laughs) that, you know, that you want your kids to know about or your grandkids to know about um, there's get permission to, to do that in a way and maybe even permission from the child. They might not want to hear it. Like, you know, it was funny. Our kids um, were, are all home from college right now. And they were, one of them was saying, well, what, what movies should I watch? I'm like, okay, well, night shift. (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I go back to the old ones, and no, I've never heard of Night Shift. Right. Michael Keaton. I'm like, ah, how do you not right. know I failed? You know, there's there's things that they say sometimes, and I'm like, oh, no, I forgot to teach you who Michael Keaton was, you know, kind of thing. Right. And then I go, Batman, Batman. Oh, Michael Keaton was Batman. So there's there's a gap, <laughs> yeah, right? Michael Keaton was Batman is what I heard. I'm like, oh, no. So there's there's gaps. Right. And so how do we how do we best kind of fill those 
those gaps, it's sort of like history carrying forward in a way with certain things, like cursive writing. And, and it, 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 it occur, that's right. It occurs in two stages. First of all, it occurs with our young adult children. And I think that there are certain movies, and I, I write about that in the book, there are certain movies that your kids need to see before they graduate from high school. There are certain, certain. I mean, they have to see Casablanca. Kids have to see Casablanca yeah. before they graduate from high school and go to, and go to college. And, and there's a list of must-see movies. They're all healthy, uplifting um, movies that kids benefit from, learn from. Uh, so, so we do have, in the young adult stage, we do still have the ability on family movie night, we have the ability to show kids our culture to show kids movies that, that Michael Keaton. Um, but then, <laughs> not night shift, though. The, the, I don't know if night day, shift qualifies. <laughs> right. The next it does have no, Henry Winkler in it, but doesn't qualify for <laughs> family movie night. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Um, but um, the next phase of, of yeah. when to, Im- to imbue our um, children with our culture does occur when our children start having their own children. And there we have to be careful. Um, we have to make sure that uh, the culture that we're teaching our grandchildren, and it's a wonderful opportunity. It gives us sort of another chance um, to teach grandchildren cursive handwriting, but also to teach, to show them classic music, movies that are not um, uh, Paw Pals and, and uh, SpongeBob uh, cartoons. There are ways yeah. to, to teach kids those things with, again, we just have to run it by their parents. Um, to make sure that we're not crossing any boundaries. Um, and for the most part, our good judgment uh, will get approved um, uh, for, use with our, for use with our grandchildren. Um, but it's an opportunity. It's our chance to um, uh, imprint grandchildren with really timeless memories. Uh, what did you call them? I love what you said, timeless, timeless, timeless beauty. beauties. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's our it's our opportunity to imprint our grandchildren with uh, with time with what we consider to be timeless beauties, and and we I mean that's beautiful time. That, that one one caution about family movie nights, and that is that uh, just like being at the at the baseball game and sitting on the bleachers is less important than the ride to and from in my mind the ride to and from the game with our kids. Um, the movie itself that we watch with our kids, and this has continued now. We've got three adult kids, one of whom has his own kids. We still do this. After a family movie night, after and they will watch their movies on their own that we've already seen, we ask kids, we ask our kids to rate the movies and to tell us why. Um, on an A to, a to F scale or on a 1 to 10 scale, what did you think about that movie? And, and from that discussion, we get more than from the movie itself because it gives us an insight into how our kids are thinking. I remember the time that we were sitting with our kids. They were, I don't know, they were nine, seven, and five. And we're watching a movie, and, um, and at the end of the movie, I can't remember what it was now, at the end of the movie, we said, okay, kids, what's the, how do you score this and, and tell us why? And um, you always ask the younger kids first because otherwise they'll, they'll mimic what the older kids say. So you ask the older kids first, and we ask, we ask our little one who's five. Um, so what, what score did you give this on a scale of 1 to 10? And he said, well, the parts that I saw, I gave an 8, but I had my hands over my eyes for a lot of it because it was scary. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we showed you a movie that was so scary. I'm so, but I never would have known that had we just gotten up from the couch after family movie night and left 
it it changed the way we picked movies because if you're going to have a nine, seven, and five-year-old, the nine-year-old may not be scared, but the five-year-old was scared. And if he didn't tell us that because we didn't ask, we wouldn't have known that about mm-hmm. him or about the movie. Yeah. All right, you got another question. Yeah, that's, that's a good, really good point. Um, everybody's different, aren't they? Um, okay, here's a question. We, I spend, not we spend, we spend a lot of time arguing over <laughs> over food. I'm going to guess that's like not eating your food, perhaps, like what to eat and <laughs> and keeping a clean room. Um, what battles are important to pick and why? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, again, that really is the the joy of parenting, if you will. And um, <laughs> in quotes, the, right? The, the, I, the yeah, no, right. The, the, um, the battles that we pick with our kids have to be battles that are less important than what really matters to us. So we, we have to, we can't, those are the battles to avoid. The battles to avoid are the ones like picking up in your room or eating food. But we really want to fight the battle of who your kids are hanging out with, what they're doing after school, and, yeah. you know, heaven forbid, are they experimenting with things that they shouldn't be experimenting with. So we have to pace ourselves. Um, and the, the um, best way of pacing for the little battles, for the cleaning up your room and for the food, is with reward. The question that I – not punishment. The, um, the question that I get frequently is uh, kids who um, will not go to sleep on time, kids who, who won't close their eyes, who, who, who won't who won't go to bed on time, and um, and there are ways of there are ways of manipulating bedtime to say, okay, if if you're going to stay up late, I understand that, but that means that there's going to be a lot less in the way of of TV time or a lot less in the way of computer time. So you can stay up late if you have to, but I if you go to bed when I tell you to, if you eat the foods that I tell you to you will be rewarded with an extra half hour of your video game time, an extra half hour of, of time on social media with your friends. Um, I can reward you for doing the right things. I yeah. want you to eat the food that I'm suggesting. I want you to clean up your room. I want you to go to bed on time. But if you don't, then, you know, there'll be consequences. And if you do, there'll be rewards. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I would add to that, too, like, you know, people are wired a certain way. I, my dad always said this, you know, you're wired the way you're wired a little bit, and you got to re- kind of respect yeah. that, too. And so I, I, I've always tried to, like, respect my kids as well and not walk right. all over them when I want them to eat broccoli, and they truly don't like it. And I, I think about an experience I had as a kid where my mom made Brussels sprouts, and to this day, I really don't like Brussels sprouts or lima beans. I admit it, <laughs> like, out loud. And I, I spit them in the bottom of my milk. I'm like, and, and I got in trouble for it. And I said, look, watch this. And I took a Brussels sprout and I fed it to the dog and the dog, dog spit it out. I'm like, see, the dog doesn't like him either. <laughs> I got in so much trouble for doing that. But, uh, you know, it's true to this yeah. day. You know, I'm not eating that. And no matter what you ugh. And so there's certain yeah. parts of people that are wired that way. And so a little bit of respect, yeah. too. Cam, our son Cam used to say, look, used to say, look, this half of me right now is chicken nugget, and it's probably McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And this half of me, Mom, is the vegetables. <laughs> I'm just like, all right. Yeah, and right. He, all that went in him 
and we, you know, of course, we made the chicken nuggets and things like that. We snuck in a little bit of McDonald's here and there. But you know what I mean? Kids are kids in a yeah. way. And is it really worth the argument? Yeah. No, that's right. And, and, and we, do, we do have to, we have to save our battles because they're, they're a time. It's like um, uh, what we set a rule for our kids at the dinner table. And when, when Sarah or I would prepare something and the kids would make a funny face and I don't want that, I don't like that, I don't, it, it was, um, we had a rule that you always have to taste it. And if you tasted it and you didn't like it, you don't have to eat it. But you have to taste it. There's no such thing as rejecting out of hand something because you've never seen it before because it's the wrong yeah. color, because it's the wrong texture. You have to taste it. And if you taste it and you don't like it, we get it. And then, surprise, surprisingly, about half the time, the kids would taste something and they said, oh, that's not so bad. And they would finish eating it. And the same thing with cleaning up the room. If, if kids are not cleaning up their room, then if you come in and clean up the room, there may be a few things while you're cleaning up that go missing. And when the kids realize that they're missing and you know what things they don't want to go missing, <laughs> when a few things yeah. go missing, you tell them, yeah, I, I didn't know that was important to you. And if you clean, when you clean up your room, I'm sure that, that they'll reappear. And, <laughs> um, and those kind of, you know, part of, Good trick that works. Part of parenting. I agree. <laughs> yeah, right. Part, part of parenting is um, knowing how to defer and decompress situations. Uh, and we tend to, in moments of, of anguish, we tend to do the, what I call the three bad Ds, the 3D parenting bad Ds. We distract, we distort, and we deceive. The kids won't get out of the car. It's, it's drop-off line at school, and the kids won't get out of the car because their crisis du jour, the thing that's bothering them that they didn't remember until they, they pulled up at the drop-off line, you know, they didn't do their homework, or today was not dress-up day and they dressed up, or today was dress-up day and they didn't dress up, whatever it is, that is preventing them from getting out of the car. We overreact. I'm going to lose my job. I have to be at work. Um, you know, I'm going to give you ice cream after school. If you just get out of the car, the bell is ringing. I have to leave. That, that, those are the bad three Ds, the, the distract, yeah. the, distort, and deceive. I'm going to, it's going to be a catastrophe if you don't get out. The better way of handling that is with the good three Ds, to say, look, I know this is bothering you. And I know this is upsetting you. And I promise, as soon as you get home from school, we're going to sit down in our special place at home, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to not talk about it now. You decompress the situation. And then you have to deliver. When they come home from school, they may have forgotten what the crisis was, but you have to remember. And you have to sit them down and say, tell me again about what was upsetting you this morning. Let's talk about it. And, and if when they see a pattern that you fulfill that promise, they'll get out of the car. And the same thing is true with, with basically everything in parenting is that we try and, and decompress the situation, defer the crisis until later, but then deliver on your promise to deal with it. For those of you just joining us, which a whole bunch of people just joined us, Dr. Robart, we are here with Dr. Harley Robart. He is the author of No Regrets Parenting and numerous other books. I have um, I have links to his books and uh, all sorts of stuff that will follow um, with the show, especially a blog on besteveryou.com that will go with the show. This will be free replays. Um, you can find us wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio. Uh, chaser and so forth. Um, we, Dr. Robert, do you have maybe like ten more minutes to be with us, or do you need to go? As, as much time as you need. No, no, no. Okay. As much time as you need. So for those, 
Yeah, so for those listening live, um, continue to uh, listen live. The show will go into record mode. You can also call us at 646-787-8537 and listen uh, online. If you want to ask a question, you can tweet us at besteveryou. And uh, we're going to continue on here past the normal programming for another 10 minutes of like kind of special special time with Dr. Rotebart um, following the, the live show here. Um, we have a question about those little rascals who just won't stay in bed at night. I knew that was going to come up <laughs> when you said that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, again, I, I'll say sometimes people are wired that way, but a lot of the times, mm, I don't know. Uh, I've got I, my, I know someone um, who shall go unnamed, maybe my sister, who's got all of her kids sleeping in the bed with her. Uh, is that a good idea? All sorts of things to try and get our sleep as parents and get those kids sleeping. Um, right. It's tricky. Well, uh, yeah, it, it is It is sticky, and it, and kids do bounce. They they get in bed and they bounce, and they need one more drink of water, and they and they go back to bed and then they bounce. And, and um, I'm not a fan of kids sleeping in parents' beds. Uh, it's a it's a controversial topic in pediatrics, um, but it's personally, I think there are better ways of handling the bounce. Uh, and my favorite technique for handling the bounce uh, is preventing it. And the way I recommend preventing it in the book is called the pajama walk. And the pajama walk, I think, has been probably, and I, I mentioned earlier that I've gotten nearly a thousand letters. I read, I read one of my favorites uh, after the first edition of the book. But, but the pajama walk has been, I would say, the the highest rate, rated uh, topic in the letters that I've received because it works so beautifully. And here's the way it works: um, when it gets to be the witching hour, uh, a time to get the kids ready for bed, you put them in pajamas, you brush their teeth. You put on whatever appropriate outdoor clothing is indicated, depending upon where you live and what the weather's like, and you walk outside. You put the kids in a wagon. You put the kids in a stroller. Um, even the older kids can, can ride their bikes or their tricycles, and you go outside for a walk. It could be around the block. It could be, it could be a mile. By the time the kids get back, the fresh air of the pajama walk prevents the bounce. It prevents the kids from getting out of bed. In fact, some of the kids, the younger kids, will fall asleep, of course, on the walk, and then you just have to sort of gently transfer them to their bed. And for toddlers, that is such a delight to have your toddler fall asleep on the walk and be so sound from the fresh air of the pajama walk that they do not bounce. And so I think the biggest, the biggest uh, trigger for bouncing is the getting into your room from being wide awake. And when you're a little bit zoned or ozoned from the outdoor walk, getting into bed is for kids a comfort, and it's a time of quiet, and, and they don't get into bed straight from the bathroom where they brush their teeth. They get into bed from an outdoor fresh air walk. And Try the pajama walk. I, for our kids, it was miraculous, and uh, it has been miraculous for many of the parents who have written to me. Great advice. Yeah, we did the pajama drive and the walk. Sometimes we had to yeah, pull on car seat them and drive around yeah. and yep, sleepy time. Yeah. What about the? There's, there's no, uh, there's no there, on that walk. By the way, on that walk, there's no food. You've already brushed teeth. There's no snacks and there's no kick in the ball. It's got to be calm, quiet. Okay, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. 
No, no, I agree. And that's a really good point, too, because it's not toys come out again. Um, and it's, it's the, right, it's the right. chill zone. What do you think about the, the bright-eyed baker who's up at, you know, 4.30 a.m. or 5 a.m. consistently, <laughs> even if you put him to bed on time or whatever? What, what about that one? I'm up and I'm ready to so, go. It's 5 a.m. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah. So, so that's a, a great way of teaching kids uh, to recognize numbers because um, you hang a, a, a child-proof clock on their crib or on the side of their bed or you have on the nightstand next to their bed a digital clock, and you teach kids that when the number hits seven, that's when they can get out of bed. But until then, here's a basket full of toys that are sitting right next to the bed or hanging from the crib that they can play with in their crib until the number seven shows up. And when the number seven shows up, then it's okay. Mm -hmm. Then it's time to be the bright-eyed baker. Then it's time to get out of bed. Then it's time to call for mommy, daddy um, from the crib. But you teach kids the number seven. <laughs> the number seven is a critical number. In your house, it might be the number eight, or someone else's house, it might be the number six, But uh, depending upon what the adult schedule is. But in our house, it was the number seven. And we had a childproof clock on, hung from the crib and then ultimately digital on the nightstand. And when they saw the number seven, they knew that. <laughs> it got tricky because... The number on a digital clock, the number seven could appear in any one of three places. But when they saw the number seven at five five twenty seven, they, they said, "Mommy, it's seven. No, it has to be the first number on the digital clock. The first number has to be seven. <laughs> Getting burned by the digital clock. That's funny. Or they're memorizing recipes in their cribs to bake you the cookies in the or the the bread oh. in the morning or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah but, um, but toys toys and books, toys and books next to the bed to keep them occupied until 7 o'clock, until the 7 appears, and then it's okay. Okay, a couple more. Um, you have, we have a lot of questions. This is awesome. Thank you all so much for participating with, um, with us and, and for being such, such fans of Dr. Ropart. I, I get you. I'm a big fan, too. Um, you have a question about reading. Is it so important anymore to read to our children? Ooh, ooh I want to answer, but I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so here's the thing. Uh, with our kids, uh, reading became a redundancy because the kids always wanted to read the same books over and over again. So we, we did um, uh, a horrible, no good, very bad day. We did the little dumpster truck. We did, we did the Sesame Street books over and over and over again to the point where when I'm sitting and reading, I know it by heart, and I forget to turn the pages. And, and our, our child would look up and say, Daddy, turn the page. Because I kept going. I, I had read it so many times. So we mixed it up a little bit. And reading is teaching kids that reading is important to parents because they're watching. They should watch you read, too. But reading to kids is a beautiful time with children. And the way I recommend keeping it more fun. Remember, No Regrets Parenting is a selfish book. It's how to make parenting more fulfilling. There's a lot of books about how to raise the perfect child. This is how to make parenting more fulfilling. So we mixed it up. We used our wedding album for, uh, for story time, bedtime, for example. Look at how pretty mommy looked. Look at how handsome daddy looked. Look at, what, look at daddy having hair. Isn't that funny? Um, and and <laughs> we, would read, we, would, we would pull out, we would pull out a, a world atlas 
and we would say, okay, this is where your grandpa once traveled. And do you guys know where the Inuits live? Do you know where, by the way, another transition from the first edition of the book 10 years ago to now is in the first edition, I recommended with the World Atlas asking, do you know where the Eskimos live? Eskimos is not an appropriate way of referring to, to the Inuits anymore. That's changed in the, in the new edition yeah. for anyone who was concerned. Um, that, is, that is one of the reasons for updating a book 10 years after it was first uh, a bestseller. So, yes, mix it up. Use wedding albums. Use high school yearbooks. Oh, my goodness. High school yearbooks are a wonderful way of sitting down for bedtime, for story time with your kids and showing them that books are valuable and that there are fun things and funny things because you never looked weirder as your kids than in your high school yearbook picture. That's really true, actually. <laughs> All right. Um, then I have one for you. This is just me. Um, one of my favorite books that you have is 940 Saturdays. And I was just wondering if you would talk a little bit about that. I love that one. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, by the way, I, I love Percolate, too. I love all the books that you have. We're just, I told you, it's, it's just a mutual admiration society. Um, so 940 Saturdays are the number of Saturdays between a child's birth and her graduating from high school. <clears throat> so that seems like, wow, that's a lot of Saturdays. Um, but by the time your daughter enters kindergarten, 256 of the 940 Saturdays are gone. Poof. You've wow. used up 256 of the 940 Saturdays you have with your kids till high school graduation by the time they start kindergarten. And so um, it's, it's a reminder to us. Now, of course, you know, thank God there are 940 Sundays and 940 Tuesdays also. But it's a reminder to us that this is finite, that the time that we have with our kids before they graduate from high school and move on to college or move on to jobs and, and other adult activities is finite. And, and if we don't take advantage of those rides to the baseball game and the rides home from the baseball game, if we don't take advantage of those pajama walks, if we don't take advantage of, of uh, as a grandparent, of teaching kids art forms like calligraphy and cursive handwriting that we talked about, we, we, we miss those Saturdays. Now, parenting doesn't end, and you pointed this out early, Elizabeth, uh, in our conversation today, that parenting doesn't end with high school graduation. In fact, it gets sometimes more interesting, oftentimes <laughs> more complicated, because, because the issues, the issues are, more, are more profound. Yeah, they're, they're more <laughs> difficult for us. Um, and parenting doesn't end, but, but the, the independence that kids begin achieving when they get their driver's permit at age 15 or age 16 continues. And we naturally, biologically, separate from our kids during their teen years. It's supposed to happen. But by the time they graduate from high school, it really does happen. We've separated biologically, not permanent separation uh, and, not a, and not a separation that, that uh, uh, we can't reconcile because we do have responsibilities beyond that. But there's just 940 Saturdays. And so the book 940 Saturdays has, uh, it has a diary, places for diary, diary entries, journaling, but also uh, more than 1,000 different activities uh, for various age groups of kids uh, to help maximize the, the, the minutes that you have and turn them into moments. Love it. All right. Is there anything else that you would like to mention before we go? We're running out of time. 
Okay. Well, well I don't like to run out of time you. when we're doing shows. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to read you the graduation speech. So we talked about oh, awesome. your kids' graduation from high school. Um, and here's the graduation speech that I wish for parents when your kids are graduating from high school. So picture yourself in a cap and gown standing at the podium at your kid's graduation. Here's what I want you as parents, as no regrets parents, to be able to, to say. Ladies and gentlemen, I've done it. They're in college or they're out in the world. I raised wonderful children who love their parents and know their parents. I turned countless childhood minutes, hours, days, and weeks that would have otherwise been lost in the name of efficiency into special moments that I'll cherish forever. I was there with them every chance I had, and I created chances to be with them that I never imagined I could. And as a reward for my commitment, passion, and love, I can now pass by their empty bedrooms, feeling fond nostalgia, missing them terribly, but what a blessing it is to feel no regrets. The days were long, the years were short, and the time I had with them was then. But I made the time, and I took the time. Now it's my time. I've earned it. Congratulations. Mm. That's a, that's a, that's great. Where that? Did you write? Where'd that come from? Did you write that? Yes. Where does that from? In the, yes, that, yeah. No, I know it's in your book, but I couldn't remember if you wrote it. Yeah. 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 No, that that was that, oh. that was me me writing for parents. Um, what I want them to feel when their kids graduate from high school. That was, I love it. That was, that was just, that was just me at my computer, but thank you. Oh, that's teary. That makes me tear up. Oh, that's like, that should be so read you met- when you drop them off at college. Right. Right. Oh, oh yeah. That's a good one. So that, when you know, when they that- gather all the parents. <laughs> yeah. How many times, how many times I have read that for audiences and I don't know if you if you could hear in my voice, but it's I still can't get I still can't get through it without choking up myself. So yeah, that must be that must be the sign the sign of the sign of a of a good essay if the essay is just choked up. <laughs> it's crying. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, that is a, I I heard it in your voice. I'm like, oh, I think yeah, that's yours. You you wrote that. I, yeah, where where is that in the book? I don't. Do you know? Is it you got uh, it? Is it at the end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll find Real it quick. for you. Yeah, it's uh, it is on. Um, uh, Sorry, the, the spot. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking at the at the My favorite My table favorite contents, and it is. Well, it's okay. Um, I'll, find, I'll find it. I'll find it and earmark it. I need that. I love that. And if not, okay, I will listen to it over and over I, again yeah. with you reading it. Thank you. I, yeah, no, it's it's here, and it's it maybe. I'm sorry, it. I can't. I can't. I, no, I can't no, find don't it. worry it's about it. I know it's, content, but I know it's in the book. Yeah. Okay. I think that's one of the hardest things too, as an author, when you've written a book and somebody goes, "Well, what's on page 41?" You're like, oh, "I got to turn to it. <laughs> I can't remember." <laughs> I do it all the time with first light. I'm like, "Oh, I don't know where that is in it." No, no, don't worry about it. I oh, will find on, it. It's on page 255. 255. Okay, hang on. I've got your book right in front of me. So I am going to go to 255 really fast because that is important to me. I really loved that. There it is. Okay, got it. Love it, love it, love it. it. Is it really there? Uh, I I think so, yeah. I just earmarked 255, and if not, I'll find it and make sure I put a note in the the, the thing here. Good. All right, well, um, 
such a such a wonderful conversation and best of luck with this book and all of your other wonderful books from No Regrets Living, Miracles We Have Seen, 940 Saturdays, Germ Proof Your Kids, The On Deck Circle of Life, which was endorsed by um, Hall of Famer Cal Ripken Jr. And I know you're going to update that one too. Um, but just all the cool things that you do. Um, and we're so, so grateful for our time with you. Thank you very Thank much you for being here. A mutual admiration society. I appreciate you, your having me. Well, that was that was a chime sure. in for thank you so much. This was a great show. So <laughs> those are our people Good. listening. Um, what's your website too? Before we go, that was the other question. Yes, thank you. It's uh, if you go to www.noregretsparenting.com, it will take you straight to to my website. It's harder to remember my name. Easier to remember noregretsparenting.com. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Take care and have a best ever you day. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you tuned in. Be brave, be bold, be you. And remember to visit us at besteveryou.com. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.